0: Excited because we are in church this Sunday morning and it is like as if the summer is almost here. (laughs) I was like, I think I'm home in Baltimore. We had a saying in Baltimore that March comes in like a lion and out like a lamb. I was like, what happened to Houston? Because it got cold. It might be like the coldest day of the year this morning. It's it's freezing. I got a sweater back on again. It's crazy. It's so good to be with each one of you here this morning at church. We're in the middle of a series called Life Hacks, and I just want to shout out Pastor Brandon. He did a great job last weekend and did, and delivered a great message, but I really just want you to take a second and honor him, not because he did a great job, because we all know how good of a job he did, and it's honorable, but just because he is an excellent person, just because he's a good friend, just because he's a strong-hearted, kind, warm person who loves each one of you. Show him a little bit of love this morning. I love that guy, and he did preach a great message last week as we continued our series, In Life Hacks. If you don't know what a hack is, it's a clever way to solve a complicated problem. It's a clever way. Some of y'all have been hacking life for a long time. You just didn't know it. Some of y'all have been walking through life with your little tricks and your little gadgets and the little things you do and your hacking life, and you didn't even realize you had a hack that somebody else needs in their life to make life simpler and less complicated. So that's what this series is. This series is, it comes from the idea that we're using these little hacks to do things and make life different. But in the scripture, how many of y'all know many times in our lives it's difficult. Life can be challenging. For people that don't say that, people that, oh, people that know how to really talk the language of Christianese really well, how you doing, man? Glory to God, I'm great today. And they're walking through hell. They're walking through so much you can smell the flames coming off of them because life is so challenging for them. Well, praise God, things are just wonderful, and they're not. Can we admit that sometimes things are not wonderful? God is wonderful, but sometimes life is not. So sometimes i got to find a hack to get through when life's not great. It's just another way to talk about what's in the Word and get it out and realize that this is the answer and has a chal- solutions to so many of life's problems and challenges. And so as we went through it, week number one, we talked about hacking control. We hacked it with surrender. All the control freaks, did you enjoy that message? <laughs> it was written from the bottom of my heart because I know very well how to control and how to surrender and watch God do something amazing. Last weekend, we talked about... Hacking calling. And the hack for calling is acceptance. Not accepting things the way they are, but walking in acceptance of who God has called me to be and who I am in Christ. This morning I want to talk about hacking pain. Hacking pain. Because how many of y'all are walking through something painful right now? Come on, show hands. Walking through something challenging right now. Walking through something painful in this moment, on this day I know I am. It might be a hangnail or it might be something greater, but it's painful. And each one of us have pain. Maybe it's physical pain. Maybe it's a pain where you broke a bone, you have a sprain, went to the doctor and they said your blood pressure is high. Maybe it's migraines and headaches, painful. Maybe it's emotional pain. Somebody walked out on you. Somebody left you high and dry. Maybe it's relational pain and people betrayed you. Somebody used you for who you were. And you misread the situation. Maybe it's financial pain, and the money is just gotten funny, and it doesn't seem to be working out, and you're having trouble with your job. Whatever kind of pain you're walking through this morning, I want to give you a hack. And the hack is not that you can just not have pain, because that's stupid, that's bad theology. You know, if I got up here and gave you a message, you said, this morning, you can live pain-free. You're going to go home tonight all empowered, all inspired, all kinds of encouraged, and you're going to get home, go to bed, think this whole week, pain-free. Pastor said, no pain. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're dreaming of no pain. About midnight, you're going to wake up and get thirsty because you're like, ah, I need something to drink. You're going to walk out, and if you got kids, as you're sleepwalking through the refrigerator, you're going to walk through a landmine, you're going to step on this jagged little thing called a Lego, you're going to step on it in the meat of your foot, and as you feel pain excruciate from the bottom of your foot all the way up through your head, after you're done cursing, you're going to yell, Pastor Lied, I still have pain. Because there's not living life to avoid pain. But there is a way to hack the pain that you have. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of John. Book of John, chapter 20, all the way at the end. Job in chapter 20 says this. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, which is the Greek word for twin, this man Thomas, he was a disciple of Jesus. He is nicknamed Doubting Thomas. He had a twin. We don't know a whole lot about his twin, but they called him twin because he had a twin. One of the 12, I really would like to know what they called the other twin. winner twin two i don't know we'll get to heaven we'll find out but thomas that day was not with the disciples when jesus came this is post-resurrection jesus has died he was buried he came back to life and now this is jesus uh, going back to the, the disciples but they don't know they've heard he's alive but there's some unbelief they haven't seen him yet he was not with the disciples. So the disciples told him, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later. How many of y'all know we read that like a week later? That's a long week. That's a long week for Thomas. Somebody telling him Jesus was alive and he is doubting fearful, disappointed, holding back expectation and hope. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas now was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I can't wait until I get that body after I die. If I think this body's nice, <laughs> if I think this body's good, where do I get that body, I can walk through walls. Y'all looking at me like you didn't know you could do that. Why not? If Jesus is, I came with my resurrected, glorified body in heaven. That's the way I believe anyway. Don't shout me down. I could have my. See, he walks through. The doors are locked. He stood among them. Peace to you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Can I tell you this morning, the scripture has a blessing over your life because though you have not seen him with your eyes, but you have believed in him as your savior, there's a blessing just for you. It took Thomas seeing to believe, but Jesus said, blessed are they, because he knew there was going to come along thousands and thousands of years where people would be told about Jesus, but they couldn't see him by sight, but they could see him by faith, and they could believe that their sins could be forgiving. And he said, if you believe without seeing visibly the holes in my hands and in my side, you're blessed. I want to jump over real quick to Colossians. A book in the New Testament, a guy named Paul wrote this to a church in Colossia, and he said this, two verses, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. And it was not yet cut away, speaking of each one of us, you were dead, even though it was written back then. Then God made you alive with Christ. I know it sounds a lot like an Easter message, I'm just warming you up, four weeks, Easter's coming. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by what? By nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I don't know if you can tell, but I am fired up this morning. I was out last week. We had a great time, but I am ready to go today. Let's pray. God, I love you this morning. It's so good to be here at the Avenue gathered with your people. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for being with us. Now open our ears, our eyes, and our heart to hear from you, to see you, and to experience you in a way like we never have before. God, let us hack this pain in our lives today. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. As I was thinking about hacks this week, studying hacks, hacks you didn't even know you were doing, I thought about one, and I don't have the illustration for it, I wish I did, but how many of y'all know, like, if you got kids and you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a turkey and cheese, a ham and cheese sandwich, there's a part of the bread they don't want. They don't want nothing to do with that part of the bread on the front end and on the back end, the heel, the crust. They don't want it. Some of y'all are like, I don't want it either, Pastor. Well, you know what you do? Here's a way you can you can really deceive your kids, and your pastor's going to teach you. You take that bread, y'all probably know this, and you take that heel and you turn it inside out. Put that peanut butter on there and put that jelly on the other one, put it on this, and they eat it, and they never even knew they were eating that crust. That's a simple. Did y'all know y'all been doing this, right? Been practicing this our whole lives, right? This is how you hack peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Now let me ask you a little bit more complicated question. How do you peel a banana? This is not the correct way to peel a banana. If you've been peeling the banana by the root or by the stem, you've been doing it wrong for a long time. This is what it's been hanging on the tree with. This is tough. It's tenacious. It's been hanging on. It's got to the point where it can withstand a lot. So when you go to peel it here, it rips, it tears, it squishes. But if you will peel a banana from the bottom, boom, boom, look at that. That is a life hack. I can see it on your faces. (laughs) Like, I can go home right now. Is anybody hungry? I don't want to waste a banana. I don't know what I'm going to do for a second service because I only brought one banana. (laughs) See if you can fold that back up for me. That's what's great about hacks. They make a complicated situation simple. They make a situation that was quite challenging a lot easier. That's what we want to do this morning with pain. Get to the place where this thing in your life that is very painful, hard, challenging becomes something that I can deal with, I can figure out. Kind of a clever kind of way. There's a man in the Bible named Paul who wrote that part of the Bible, Colossians. He wrote about one-third of the books in the New Testament. He wrote a lot of the content that we have. He wrote it to other churches as a way to teach them and encourage them and inspire them. But this man went through a lot of pain. Paul knew pain really well. Paul understood. And why? Because Paul initially created a lot of pain. Paul persecuted the church. Paul brought a lot of pain to Christians and to believers' lives. Even to the point of death, he believed so much in what he was doing. He had the legal right given him by the government to persecute believers for believing in Jesus. One day Paul has an experience, and his life is literally turned around, 180. And now instead of being the one to persecute believers, he's being the one to help them, encourage them to the point that God places him in leadership outside of Jerusalem. And he is now the greatest missionary the church has ever seen, the greatest evangelist the church has ever seen. And suddenly he goes from a place of creating pain, now that he loves Jesus giving him his life now he lives in that crazy theology of pain-free right not at all not at all instead this is paul's life now because paul knew in second corinthians eleven twenty-eight, 28 he said this i didn't give it to you on the screen just listen he said beside everything else he said the pain i face in my life it's pressure and concern for all the churches he said i've been to prison he said i was beaten with 39 lashes Five different times. That's 195 whips he's taken to his back and to his body. i have not taken one. Not one. He took 195. Legally they could give them to him. He was stoned once. Not the kind of stoning to relieve the pain. The kind that causes pain. Three times he was shipwrecked. One night on a shipwreck, he spent the night and the day in the open sea floating on a broken up piece of the ship, just floating around the water. Has Paul never seen the movies? Not a good situation. Not the place you want to be. There's sharks out there, whales, all kind of big stuff. Three times he was beaten with rods. Hungry, thirsty. That's miserable right there. Sleepless nights. He was betrayed and beaten by the Jews and the Gentiles. I hope you people betrayed, I hope you people beaten. He knows pain physically, emotionally, mentally. He knows the anguish and the anxiety that comes from trying to help somebody. He felt what that pain was. So this morning, I want to take a verse, a couple of verses, two to be exact, that he wrote. And from those verses, I want to extract three points. To help us this morning, hack pain. And here's your hack. You hack pain with purpose. You hack pain with purpose. Purpose. Not necessarily purpose like we talked about calling last week, but purpose in the sense that I can understand I there's a purpose for why this is happening in my life. And there's a purpose that God will use this moment and this pain for something that he can get out of it. But it depends, will I allow him to? Will I let him extract it? Will I let him do what only he can do? Now, a common question would be, Pastor, does God cause pain? I don't believe that God does, but I do believe God will use your pain. And God will use your pain in order to help somebody else. Can you find pain, purpose, in your pain? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. And here's the first one, the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. If you're taking notes, write this down, number one. Let God comfort you in your pain. Lean into him. Rely on him. Understand that you have a God you can go to who knows your pain, wants your pain, and will use your pain. The last few years of my life, I have suffered through a lot of pain. The story has been told countless times over. Since 2019, I think I've gone through eight different surgical procedures. I've lost count. I went through a Achilles tear last year, just 13 months removed from that. I thought I could run, I thought it was full strength, until the other day I went to shoot a basketball and found out I got a jump shot that goes about that high off the ground. And I shot an air ball again. I tore this bicep playing softball a year before that. But of all the pains in my life, the greatest pain was the kidney stones I had. If you've ever had a kidney stone, painful. You had one. I had 12. That's a, like, I can walk away. I can put the microphone down. 12. 12 kidney stones. Four different procedures to remove the 12 tribes of Israel from me. <laughs> i named one after every disciple. 12. Why 12? I can't figure it out. But I know there's a purpose in the pain. But there's something about this incident that I had in my life. If I went back and thought about the pain that I went through, I can tell you this, the greatest pain I've ever experienced in my life was emotional pain. More than broken bones, more than torn tendons, more than migraines, more than kidney stones, it's emotional pain. But back in 2001, I was playing softball one day. Played softball, hit a single, back up the middle, went around first base, just made a nice round turn to see if the throw was going to come back into the infield. It did, and as I stepped on first base with this foot, my left foot, I stepped on the corner of the bag, and as I did, I broke my foot. Painful. Broke it on the fifth metatarsal right there below the toe where it's in the, on the outside of the foot. Just snapped it in half. Didn't know what I had done exactly. Fell down, crawled back to the bag. Stayed in the game because I was a tough guy like that. Also known as stupid. And so I stayed in the game, stayed on first base. It's a church league softball on a Saturday afternoon. It doesn't get any lower in level of life than that. But I'm going to be a tough guy and stay in the game. So I'm on first base. Next guy up, hits another single. I go to run. I get one step off of first base with the good foot. By the time I plant the bad foot, I fall down. I get thrown out, crawl off the field. Go back to the house and somebody loans me one of those boots. I put the boot on and I wear the boot for a couple days. Monday comes, I go to work with the boot on. I don't see a doctor. Too stubborn to see a doctor. Too ignorant to see a doctor. I wear the boot until the pain goes away. I take a whole bunch of Advil in the meantime and live my life for exactly 20 years with a broken foot. Living my life traveling, getting married, having kids, everything, not even knowing the severity of what I'd done until a few years ago I went to see a doctor about it because it just got to the point where it continued to hurt and hurt and hurt. And I would play sports on it, and I would learn how to deal with it, and I was at the point in my life where I was limping for a couple days after I played I couldn't really jog, I couldn't run, I could sprint, but I couldn't run long. And what happened was the bones had never healed together. It was a it was a clean break. And scar tissue had formed around them and was literally holding the bones together for 20 years. And so anytime that I really got going on that foot, it would rupture, it was it was break up all that scar tissue and start to break apart. The pain would come back. And the doctor said, unless you want to go in and get this thing fixed. Once and for all, you're always going to be this way. And that's what I believe what happens. I think a lot of times we deal with our pain in our lives the same way I did. I think there's a couple different ways. And you really have three options this morning to deal with your pain. One, you can avoid it. You can avoid your pain. That's what I did. I avoided it. You know what? Time's going to heal it. I just got to give it some time. Right? Just give it time, and it's going to heal. Six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, six months, 12 months. The problem is it never healed. It was always broken. And some of us live that way, where we avoid the conversation about it because it's painful. Because if I have to talk about it, I would have to go back and experience that pain again. So in order that I don't have to experience that pain again, I will avoid the conversation about it. I'll avoid talking about it. I'll avoid avoid opening that thing up inside of me to uh, to, to getting to the place of being healed. And the problem is that if you avoid the pain, you avoid the healing. Maybe the pain came from a disappointment, an event, a mistake, bad judgment. Maybe your anger caused it. Maybe your insecurity caused it. Maybe things just happened and it wasn't your fault but time is not a healer, God is. And if you believe time will heal your emotional pain, your mental pain, your spiritual pain, you're wrong. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible clearly tells us that God is our healer and time will only extend and amplify what is wrong. Now what you do is, if you don't avoid it, you do the second thing, and you learn to numb it. So I'll avoid my pain, or I'll numb my pain. That's what I did. I took a lot of medicine. Advil. You know when you go to Costco and you buy the big bottles, barrels, for 20 years. Just popping Advil, just taking them as I needed. Before I played, I knew I'd take them. After I played, I'd take them. That way I would make sure that the pain was numb. Numbing pain doesn't heal pain. It just hides it. And too many times we hide pain because we're avoiding it, and we numb it so that we don't have to address it. Numbing doesn't heal pain. Medicine to cover up from pain doesn't create healing. It just blocks the nerves that are headed to the brain to let the brain know I have pain in this place It's a nerve block. The signal is jammed, and for temporarily that signal is jammed to get to the brain to say, hey, my hand hurts, my foot hurts, my heart hurts. We live this way. Jamming signals, allowing the pain to stay in place, but I'd rather numb it. I'll numb it with drugs. I'll numb it with addiction. I'll numb it with something that causes me to not have to think about it, and I can avoid it. I'll abuse alcohol and numb it. I'll take a person and use them to numb the pain that somebody else caused. I just want to numb the pain because I don't want to deal with it. And so we allow ourselves to either avoid it or numb it. And neither one of those things are the solution this morning. If you want to hack your pain, you got to do number three. got to fix it you got to fix your pain. I had to go to a doctor. Now, check this out. I went to a sports doctor, (laughs) because I'm an athlete. (laughs) So I go to a sports doctor, and I sit down with a sports doctor, and I'm looking at the walls, and there's athletes everywhere. (laughs) And anybody in the room today that still has any type of college eligibility, like myself, (laughs) two years of eligibility still remain, we all believe we could still get out there and do it. Come on. Come on. Sports doctor says, what happened? I have to stop, pause, and go back 20 years in my life and tell him about this event. Here's what happened. This is when it occurred. This is what happened. And what did you do about it then? And I tell him. And there is some embarrassment that comes from having that conversation. Can we be honest? Because now I have to look at him and say, for 20 years, I've lived like this. I have allowed myself to stay this way for 20 years, instead of dealing with it way back when. And you know what the doctor did? You know how he fixed it? He created more pain. He went into my foot, and he put a screw that big from here up into my toe. I got the x-ray because it's cool looking. And that x-ray shows that screw holding my pinky toe and my my foot all together. And the pain created post was greater than the pain from the event. Because for 12 weeks, some of y'all remember, I was on that scooter the first time. I was on the scooter, (laughs) scooting through here. It was right after COVID. Couldn't put weight on the foot for 12 weeks. Let me tell you, when you address your pain, it will hurt again. And when you go to somebody, a specialist, a healer, and you say, I need to have a conversation. I have this painful experience in my life, and I want to hack it. I want to deal with it. I want to talk about it. I have to. It can't stay a part of just this thing that I numb and medicate and avoid. But it has to be something to it. It'll probably hurt again. And the devil will try to come and shame you, which is not God's tool. You'll need to block that because he doesn't want you to get free. He doesn't want you to get to a place where you can walk and live in a place that's pain-free. If he can keep you in pain, he can keep you bound. But you can't go to somebody who doesn't understand how to bring healing. So if you're living in addiction, you can't go to another friend who has an addiction problem or doesn't see the problem with addiction. Because all they're going to do is pat you on the back and say, you're good, champ. Just keep digging in. You're going to make it. you got to go to somebody who has been where you've been and has overcome it and experienced freedom or has lived a life where they have not suffered through that addiction themselves in that particular case, but they are living free of it, and they can help you get there. The problem is sometimes we go to the wrong people because we go to people that are around us So when I tell you sometimes, hey, you got to have a conversation with somebody, you got to know you can't go to your best bud unless that best bud is a good healer because they've been there and they know the healer. You have a problem with lust and looking at pictures of people naked, sleeping around, living that way. You can't go to somebody who's going to go, oh, come on, man, we all have urges and surges. It's okay. That's the way we're created. You've got to go to somebody that values purity and is living a life to go, hey, listen, there's a better way to live. You don't have to go to that place. You can live at a place and you have to find somebody who values a pure lifestyle and that can bring you up to that place as well. Too many times we don't go to the healer. We just go to somebody else because well, they'll get me. But they can't heal you. They can't help you. Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced beyond the province of Asia. He said, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Who raises the dead. But on God. And Paul says, but what's the purpose of this thing? He said, he has delivered us from deadly peril. He will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope. That we will continue to deliver. He will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers. Paul said, he has delivered me. He will deliver me again. And he will continue to deliver me. If your pain is too big for you. It is the perfect size for your God. But you've got to take it to it. Number two, write this down. We let God comfort us in our pain. Number two, comfort others from your painful experience. The God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that. Oh, those two little words. So that. So that we can comfort those in any trouble. Ooh. My pain has a purpose, so that when I'm going through it, the pain I've experienced can help you. But if you haven't been through it, please don't speak to it. If you haven't been through something, scenario, it's like going to somebody that's not a mom or dad and getting parenting advice. Nobody wants it. Nobody cares what you have to say. We love you. But when it comes to kids, because I was that way. I was 30-some years old before we had our first kid. I didn't. I knew not to write a book, but I had my opinions on how people should parent their kids. And I looked at my nephews, and I looked at kids around me, and I was like, you know, don't ever bribe a child. You can't bribe a kid. You got to lead a kid. <laughs> this morning, I gave my kid a half dollar he'd never seen one before like a 50 cent piece I was like be good at church today here you go (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't been through it don't speak to it I had a basketball coach one time he couldn't coach anything he couldn't tell us what to do he couldn't teach us how to form play set follow through nothing you know why he never played ball he was a volunteer, co- volunteer coach who just said, I'm available. But he had never played. The problem is too many times we think if we've been through it, we shouldn't speak to it. But actually, because you've been through it, now you're qualified. Now you have the ability. Now you have the right, the badge. You have the words and the language to speak into somebody else's life. Because you have survived. Lost your parents at an early age? Felt abandoned? Not your fault? Speak to somebody who's going through that. You can hide it and put it away. You can keep it and put that pain down and never address it. Or you can find a purpose for it and allow God to bring it out of you and extract it. And use it to help somebody else who's walking through something that you've already been through. There's a purpose for your pain. There's a purpose inside of what you're going through. There's a purpose for what you are going through. Been bankrupt? Had a financial crisis? Been embarrassed because of something like that? You don't have to be. You can use it. You can allow God to use that pain. Use that thing with a purpose to lead and teach somebody else and say, you're going to be okay. The sun's coming up tomorrow. God will still bring you through it. You don't waste your pain. You use it to help somebody. You don't waste your pain. You use it to help somebody. I feel like I've probably preached hundreds of messages, Use hundreds of illustrations, hundreds of one-line zingers, used a lot of scripture, but I can tell you the most effective preaching I've ever done is when I'm very transparent with you, is when I'll tell you about my struggles and what I'm walking through, what I've been through, and when I speak to it, and you go, there's something about that church I want to go back to it, there's something about that church I find healing, there's something about that church that makes me feel like I can get through the week, there's something about that church that feels different than another place, it's the power of transparency. It's something that happens when we're okay with showing and revealing our pain so others can be comforted as well. Let God comfort you in your pain. Comfort others when you experience from your painful experience. And number three, when we comfort others, God comforts you. Look what he says. He says, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our trouble, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from god so as we're comforting others god comforts us as you're ministering to others god ministers to you some of you are waiting to be healed and whole and healthy and then you'll need a small group healed whole healthy and then you'll serve healed hold healthy and then you'll get involved. Heal, hold, healthy, and then you'll share your story. But the Bible says, if while you're in it, because while you're in it, if you'll share, talk, reveal, say, this is my pain. This is how God comforted me. This is what I went through. God will heal you as you are walking through it. For the past several months, I don't know how long. I've had a lot of challenges. Painful challenges. I've had trouble sleeping at night. Really. Anybody having trouble sleeping at night? I've had a lot of trouble. Two weekends ago, I slept three hours, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Each night. Go to bed. Can't sleep. Go to bed, get a little bit of sleep. Suddenly, I can't breathe. I wake up. Allergies kick in, something happens, anxiety hits me. I've never dealt with anxiety. It's even right now I feel embarrassed to even tell you I've had anxiety because I don't ever want to show that part of my life, to be honest. I've never dealt with something like that before. Can't stay in bed. If I stay in bed, I'm tormented. I sit up, try to catch my breath. Take some medicine. I've taken some cocktail medicines. I'm accountable. Tara knows, some of y'all know, because I have some friends in here that I've been keeping up with this with. Help me sleep. Doesn't help. Sleep on the couch. Try to lay down with one of the kids. What happens is, is it makes life difficult. When you're not sleeping right, it's hard for everything else to be right. You're not healthy. You don't think good. Attitude is weird. Life's challenging. I don't know why I'm going through it. I had a gift my whole life. I could go to sleep anytime, anywhere. It was a gift. I knew it. Because I talked to people who had trouble sleeping, and I didn't understand. I'd be like, that's that's I'm sorry if you're doing dealing with that. You know, I like I could, I could just any time of the day take a nap. Power naps, I crush them. I can crush a 20-minute power nap. Boom. Wake up alive. Now I'm dealing with this. Sleep, whatever. Anxiety, disorder, frustration, complication, challenge, deprived. This last night, 2.29 was the last time I looked at the clock. 5.30 comes early. You're getting three hours of sleep. the challenge is a lot of times the devil wants to come and get in my head and say, man, just call somebody else to preach today. You know what? You got a great team of communicators. Someone else can do it. And you know what? Just call in. And I won't do it. I haven't done it. And here's why. Because when I'm walking in my purpose, I know I'm being healed. Because when I'm helping you, God's helping me. Because when I'm refreshing you, He's refreshing me. And this is what I've created to do and called to do. So I don't want to miss a beat. I might be struggling and having pain in my life in another area. But I'll tell you about it. I'll show it to you. But I'll allow you to see it. But I don't want the devil to beat me because of it. Because I do believe that in the midst of what I'm walking through, God can heal me. 1982, there was a man named Larry Walter. Larry Walter had a great idea. He wanted to fly. He went to join fly. And they said, you can't fly, Larry. Your eyes are too bad. Larry went home to his girlfriend and said, I want to fly. She said, you can't fly. They said, you can't fly. He said, I want to fly. So Larry had an idea. He went to the Army-Navy surplus store and bought him 45 weather balloons. you probably heard this story. He went home, filled those weather balloons up with helium, tied them to a lawn chair, looked at his girlfriend and said, I'm going to fly. He anchored that chair down, filled all the balloons up, took two things with him, lunch and a BB gun. He said, when I'm up there and I want to come down, I'm going to shoot the balloons one at a time. Slowly come back to earth. He had no idea what was about to happen. As all 45 weather balloons were inflated, they took the anchor off the lawn chair. He shot up into the atmosphere 16,000 feet. You can Google this. Read the story. It's true. Everything's true online. He shot up in the air, 16,000 feet, floating through the atmosphere and outer space, looking down. He had some turbulence, and as he did, he dropped something. He held on to his lunch, dropped his gun. Now he's up there. The wind's moving him. He flies through Southern California crosses over LAX they shut down the airport he's flying across the airport they're following him with cameras and police finally he comes down and settles in somebody's backyard as they arrest him they ask the police officer what are you going to arrest him on they said we don't know yet but we know he broke some law and when we figure out which one he'll be charged They got Larry and brought him. I said, Larry, what happened? Why'd you do this? Why did you do this with these balloons and fly? Larry said, I just couldn't stay in my chair any longer. I had to fly. Can you imagine if you just can't stay in your pain anymore? Can you imagine if you just can't stay in that place anymore? What it looks like to fly? not content to stay with a broken foot for 20 years, not content to stay in a place that they tell you you can't do something. But the Word of God says you can be free, and you can find healing, and you can get to a place in your life where you can hack the pain if you can figure out how to use it for God's purpose. And His purpose says He will comfort you as you comfort somebody else. But that means you've got to be open to telling your story. You've got to be open to revealing it. You've got to be willing to say, this is who I was. And when you say, this is who I was, it'll probably look bad on you. But when you say, but this is what God did, it's not about you anyway. Suddenly it becomes about how great he is. And you walk through a divorce, and you walk through pain, and you walk through loss, and you walk through so much. Somebody else needs what you've been through. Stop staying in your chair and get out of it. And understand that somebody needs to know what you've been through so they can find healing in their life too. So at 229 this morning, I felt like I got really clear direction from God on this message because I didn't know what to do but pray. Nobody knows. I just looked at Thomas and said, see if we can find some communion elements. We're gonna receive communion this morning. Would you stand with me? They're gonna pass some communion out real quick because this is where Thomas was. Thomas says, I can't see him. I can't believe in him unless I see him. Unless I put my hand where the nails were and the spear. I know they're passing these out, but I don't want you to miss this point. Listen to me, church. The pain Jesus experienced, the pain that he went through, the pain that he felt was for your healing. If he doesn't get nails in his hands and holes in his hands, you don't get forgiveness. There had to be a point in his life that pierced his skin and caused the blood to come rushing out. And the rushing of blood that caused him excruciating pain was the very thing that creates healing for us. That's what communion is. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. His pain brought my freedom. His pain brought my healing. His pain brings my forgiveness. Your pain can bring somebody else's healing. But you've got to offer it. This is what he did. He hung out on a cross and extended himself. And as he did, he said, God, Father... Father of all compassion, I know that I'm doing this, not for me. It hurts, it's hard, it's challenging, it's difficult, it's painful, but I know there's a purpose, and I know that I'll I'll walk through it, I can speak to it, and if I speak to it, people can be healed. Why do you think we find forgiveness this morning? Because of his pain he experienced in his life. So i want you to do one thing i want you to just hold that communion we're not going to take it yet i want you to close your eyes look in your heart and ask yourself a question there's two questions you have to answer this morning and the first one is simply this is there a pain in my life that i'm hiding that i'm not allowing god to use maybe somebody knows about it but you've told god it's off-limits you can't have access to it and you can't touch it because I don't want people to know about it and I would not ever want to share that story. I'm not asking you to get on Facebook and make a post. I'm just asking you if in conversation the Holy Spirit prompts you, would you even tell somebody, I've been there. So right now, just tell God whether or not he can have access to it. Yes, you can. No, you can't. This is discipleship. This is maturity. This is growing. This is allowing God to have full access through surrender to every area of your life. And I can't make it easy for you. And I can't tell you it'll be simple and not complicated. It will probably hurt more and be for a moment that. But there is freedom on the other side. And God is our healer. Then you'll hack your pain. The second person I'm going to pray for this morning is before you receive this cup, You have to know in your life and in your heart that you have received Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. If you can't say that this morning he is my Savior and my sins are forgiven, the Bible teaches us not to receive communion. It is only for the believer. But you can receive it in just a moment because I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. We can pray together across this space and believe in God for the forgiveness of our sins. And as we do, your sins are forgiven. And you make a simple yet significant decision to make Jesus Savior of your life. So from front to back and right to left, I want to pray this prayer out loud. If you want to put faith in Christ, remember the part I said in the very beginning? Blessed are those who believe and have not yet seen. You can be included in that right now. You can't see Jesus, but you can believe in him. If that's you this morning, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And make me clean. I am yours. Wash my sins away. Be my Savior. Use my life. Use my story. Comfort me in my pain. And I will comfort others in theirs. In Jesus' name.